Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome, welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. My name is Andrew Alex. It is Thursday, January 20th, and for the second time in 2022, the whole gang is together. First and foremost, up in Northern Virginia, the newest breaking news reporter for Sports Illustrated, Mike McDaniel, joins us. Mike Gonna have a whole lot of time on your hands uh, in the future, huh? New kid, new job, still keeping the old job, seven podcasts to appear in. What do you do for fun? How do you have time for it? We'll figure it out. This the is my problem. This is, this I, do, is I will say, I will say, this I is do what like, Mike does for fun. He I listens. Love all of this. Yeah, like he, he enjoys listening to me bloviate about various topics yes, and and he enjoys andrew trying to instigate and rile me up which is not hard to do one of my favorite <laughs> things one of my favorite things to do is listen to Troll people on twitter and well that too that's easy <laughs> that's easy it's only a small part of my day but oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a small part of my day but yeah i one of my favorite things to do is record and listen to podcasts so that's part of it and then you know, now just being paid to write. And that's what I was angling for. So here we are. Worked hard work pays off, baby. Uh, did who else worked hard? Jeremy counts. He said he did so out of spite. And uh, so, yeah, I got to thank the good folks over at Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg is the pharmacy you want to go to if you want a healthcare provider that truly cares about you. Be a neighbor, not a number, and look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. All right, gentlemen. Virginia Tech, since we last spoke, winners of two ACC games in a row on Saturday. They beat Notre Dame in comeback fashion. To, or yesterday night, I should say, they almost blew a very large lead to the NC State Wolfpack. Virginia Tech starts on something like a 15-0 run or 15-2 or something like that. And ultimately, the Wolfpack have a chance to win the game on the final possession. Thankfully, that did not happen. And Virginia Tech moves from 0-4 in the ACC to two and four in the ACC. I think one thing that uh, really stuck out to a lot of fans last night was the play of Storm Murphy, who Ricky LeBlue says should be sent on a one-way trip to the moon. Ricky, what are your thoughts? Well, let's start by actually recapping like what the game, what the win means, right? So like 
Virginia Tech has now won their last two ACC games, which meets this, which means that this is clearly a Final Four team, and that Virginia Tech is going to be go absolutely winning the conference. Um, at least that's how I think this is supposed to work for Twitter. Uh, in all seriousness, it's a good. It's not really a great win for Virginia Tech, but wins in the conference have been hard to come by this year, so can't really complain too much. That being said, it wasn't an impressive victory at all. Andrew, you mentioned that the Hokies almost blew this against an NC State team that, one, is not very good, and two, to my understanding, is missing a couple key players uh, out of this rotation. Um, and Virginia Tech played pretty bad down the stretch. They had several turnovers um, in the final few possessions that really caused some problems, and they almost cost them the game. And uh, w- one of the issues, really the main issue, I think, with Virginia Tech's offense is, or excuse me, with Virginia Tech's team has been their offense. And where do you look when the offense is struggling, right? You look at the point guard. You look at the guy who's supposed to be distributing the ball on the offensive end. And um, when Storm Murphy transferred in to Blacksburg, we were told that this was going to completely transform Virginia Tech's offense. This was going to be the kind of player that Mike Young had never had before. This was going to be a Seth Allen-type acquisition. This is going to be someone who is going to be one of the better players in the conference, certainly one of the better point guards in the conference. He was going to be someone who was going to be able to create on the offensive end, create for others, create for himself. And he was going to be a problem on the offensive end. Um, For some reason, uh, Storm Murphy has been impervious to criticism over the last, last week. And we are not allowed to criticize Storm Murphy, apparently. So, um, Storm Murphy is the greatest point guard uh, ever of all time in, in in all leagues, not just the ACC, and certainly not just in college basketball. I think he's the greatest point guard to ever play the game, quite honestly. And um, I'm looking forward to watching him for the rest of the season. Mike McDaniel, a lot of people saying Murphy just not cut out for ACC basketball, and frankly. I, I think there's a debate to be made, but you disagree with that notion. Tell us why. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree based off of last night's performance. He didn't shoot the ball very well. He did hit a big three and then he drew a charge on the other end down the stretch, which helped make up for some of the issues he had for the preceding 37 minutes of basketball that he played. He did not play very well last night at all. Uh, but He's been better in conference play uh, than he was in the early part of the season. So um, Virginia Tech was really struggling early in the year offensively. And a big reason why is because Storm Murphy, forget about not shooting it well, right? We can talk about Naheem Ali not shooting it well. Uh, you know, we can talk about other guys not shooting it well. Storm Murphy flat out just wasn't shooting early in the year. Like he was passing up open shots, which to me points to a confidence thing where there were several times I I was at the Navy game. I was at the Maryland game where, you know, Murphy was open and it's almost like he didn't shoot because he was afraid that the running defender, the defender running at him was going to block his shot. Right. Points to a confidence thing for me, right. Where he's not confident he's going to shoot the basketball. Well, the St. Bonaventure game, he shot the basketball, the Duke game at Cameron shot the basketball, right. In ACC play, He's shooting nearly 40% from three, which is good. He, he's shooting, you know, 44% from the floor. That's good, right? So, so he's doing some good things offensively. 
last night was not very good. You know, he played, he played poorly against NC State, I thought. Um, and he did not play great in the first part of the season. I thought he was limiting the ceiling of the offense because he was not taking open shots, which as a 17-point-per-game scorer last year at Wofford, I would hope that he would take some of those open shots, right? Because I thought it was limiting the ceiling of the offense when he was passing up open threes as a good three-point shooter. And he's been a good three-point shooter this year. In the last six games, he's been shooting the ball well from deep. Last night, I think he finished one for six, did not shoot the ball very well from three last night. But in, by and large, he's been better lately. Uh, but, you know, they need Storm Murphy to shoot the ball. You know, they, they need him to shoot the way that he had been shooting prior to this NC State game last night. Like, Virginia Tech's offense needs that. We've seen Virginia Tech's offense early in the year when Storm Murphy wasn't shooting the ball, just flat out wasn't shooting, period, right? And we saw the, the cap that it put on this offense. And this offense right now has a, a small margin for error when Naheem Aline continues to shoot the ball poorly. Now, he broke out of his shell against Notre Dame. Naheem Aline was a big reason why Virginia Tech won that game in Blacksburg. He had 22 points. He, he was 8 of 10 from the floor. He had four or five threes. Very good game. He was really due. Last night, he forced up a ton of shots in the second half. You looked comfortable early in the game, but in the second half, Virginia Tech's offense as a whole was really, really pressing. Naheem Aline was pressing. He had three or four turnovers there in the final minute. That's just can't happen. So I, I think Virginia Tech needs Storm Murphy to continue to, to shoot and to shoot it well, because outside of the NC State game last night, he's been better lately, and Tech needs it, because outside of Hunter Couture, they don't have a guy who who's consistently making three pointers right now. And they need Murphy to continue to be that guy. I think my biggest issue with storm has been his inability to get to the basket. Storm Murphy has attempted two free throws since November 24th. And not to cut you off, he's shooting 64% from the free throw line this year. Not acceptable. Bad. That's the Storm Murphy stat. He's only had 11 attempts. So, like, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's obviously not shooting at a good clip, but he's not even shooting from from the line. Right. And that's because he can't get to the rim. Ricky, who would you rather have, Storm Murphy or Wabisa Beatty? Wabisa Beatty. Mike? Without question. I I think based off of what we've seen from start to finish this year, I think you'd rather have Wabisa Beatty. BD's ability on defense was so understated. I mean, people always said like, oh yeah, he's a good defensive player, but you don't, you don't, you don't, you can't exaggerate that, right? Like a lot of times we just say, oh, he's a good defensive player. We just ignore it. But the the people oftentimes don't understand the importance of having good perimeter defense. They, they just assume that if you did can't that shoot, his entire career, they just assume if you, if you're missing shots or you're struggling offensively, you got to pull them off the floor. Right. And it's just, you, you couldn't point when, when BD was out there playing significant minutes, you know, freshman year, he was, he was thrown in a little bit to spell Justin Robinson here and there. But when he started playing significant minutes for this team, his, his final three years in Blacksburg, you couldn't name three better players in any particular year who are better defenders on the perimeter in the ACC than with Bissabiti. I would have taken Beatty over almost anybody as a perimeter defender in the conference. I mean, he was so good on the defensive end. And when you don't have Storm Murphy shooting the basketball, and again, he's 
He's been fine lately. And he's also he, not creating for other people. That, yeah, that, he, that was he, that was the next point of my of my or next the next place I was trying to go. One of the things that Seth Allen and Justin Robinson did so well was they could get to the rim and create for others. I cannot tell you how many times I watched Storm Murphy try to get to the basket last night against NC State, who is not a good team. And he can't do it. He he gets shut off every time he tries to drive the lane. He can't get there. He cannot penetrate. And when you have a point guard that cannot penetrate, is is nervous about shooting the ball, and is a complete defensive liability. I I will I, say I have serious questions is, about um, the value that you provide. I mean, in all seriousness, the offense as run through Storm Murphy seems lost like half the time and you see these long stretches you know all throughout the season yes virginia tech can get on the fast break and they can get hot and these guys will hit their threes and you'll have moments like against nc state you go up 15 nothing but then you'll have three four minute droughts when the offense just looks completely lost and it looks like there's no true system at all and i think that a lot of the blame has to be laid on the inability to create as Ricky mentioned from Storm Murphy, he's he's just not a plus player. I I I think Virginia Tech's cold stretches that they've gone on this year have less to do with Murphy and more to do with the fact that outside of Murphy, Virginia Tech doesn't have a guy who can consistently penetrate. They miss the slasher. I mean, we've talked about oh, I mean, how absolutely, bad they miss but Radford. he was supposed to fill part of that role this year and he hasn't I, done it. I don't know if I don't know how much I don't know how much he was supposed to fill the role of that was a, a guy critical part of his game in the SoCon. And obviously you're playing a different level of competition in the yes. ACC. Yes. But if Mike Young brings you to the ACC, you should be able to translate at least a little bit. And it's has it just hasn't translated. I think I it's mean, been I don't want to I, I mean, I don't want to be totally, totally unfair. Right. Because I think he has been better. lit. Like last night was bad. He's been better lately, though. Like he had, he has been better lately. The numbers back it up. I mean, he's I mean, been better recently. A lot of it, you know. I mean, we've pointed out our criticisms, but there's a, a factor of the burden of high expectations, right? That was set by Keve Aluma, a Mike Young transfer from Wofford, who comes in and immediately is an All ACC caliber guy. People just thought, oh, that's how it's going to work here. Murphy was a better player at Wofford relatively to what Keve Aluma was. Oh, he's going to step in and yeah, like Ricky said, he's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. He's going to revolutionize the offense. Like we're going to go from a point guard that wouldn't shoot the ball, couldn't shoot the ball to this guy who's an automatic scorer. That's it. That, that, and that's, I think that's really when, when you look at this, you talk about the burden of expectations. Yeah. Murphy averaged 17 points per game at Wofford last year, but over the course of his career, he's been averaging around 10 points per game, right? Which is he's averaging like nine right now, 8.8, nine points per game. Like, the reason why I think people are so disappointed in Storm Murphy is because when you look at what Wabisabidi couldn't provide on the offensive end, I think we all just assumed that Storm Murphy would step in, average 17 a game at Wofford last year. He's going to average 17 a game in the ACC, which is silly I didn't think, to think he was going to do that. It's silly to think, though. I didn't think he was going to do that, but I did expect him to be able to create for others. I mean, I, I think some people did expect him to do that, fair yes, or not. People uh, did. And, yeah, people did. and I think right. that people, you know, with the rampant optimism that we had coming into the season, people didn't think about the drawbacks. People didn't, I mean, people didn't think about what BCBD's defense when it was happening outside of, you know, us and, right. and you know, a, a few other people who take time to really look into this stuff. 
but you didn't think uh, people in general, I guess, didn't think that Murphy had never been asked to play defense at this level. And the results are what you would expect, you know, given the build, given the guy, given the experience he had had. And, and, and you know, it, it just doesn't add up. He hasn't provided the spark. And I understand why it's frustrating to people. I agree. I agree. Um, I think when you, when you, when you look at what he's done in ACC play, there's at least hope that that can continue. He's had more games than bad in the ACC. I think he started to find his footing a little bit. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a little bit revisionist history because of the way he looked early in the year and he kind of just, I think the opportunity for him to find his footing against tougher competition, you know, to give him a little bit of runway going into ACC play. I think he passed up on it a little bit by not shooting the basketball. Like he never really got his confidence until right before the COVID pause. It seemed like he was really starting to come into his own, had a good game against Duke played well against St. Bonaventure um, on both ends. Uh, And, and he's been fine in conference play last night was brutal though like last night was bad didn't shoot it well looked lost defensively and it puts a cap on it puts a cap on this team it definitely does and there were some issues there were some issues last night I mean that I think broader takeaways because this isn't all on Storm Murphy like Naheem oh, Maline absolutely went, not Naheem Maline went Naheem Maline went three of 14 last night he had four turnovers in the final minute like he, that can't he's happen. Been, he's been one of their biggest problems for most of the season, Naheem Aline. Yeah, he's been he's been the biggest problem. I mean, he's been a bigger he's been a bigger problem than Murphy. I, he's been the biggest issue, um, at least on the offensive end. He has he has shot the ball really poorly. Now, the reason why he's been able to provide a little bit more than Murphy at times is because he's a bigger guy and his defense has been better. Uh, but offensively, he has been really really bad outside of the Notre Dame game. Um, more and I just want to say that we talked a lot last year about Hunter Couture's inability to create for others and his inability to run the offense. And that was one of our biggest issues with this team last year. Hunter Couture's assist to turnover ratio this year is about 2.7. Yeah. Storm Murphy's is about 1.5. Yeah. I mean, Couture's, I, I, I stand by this. Couture has been the best player on the team all year. He's been the most consistent guy all year. I mean, Aluma has been good offensively recently, but from start to finish this year, Couture has been the team's best player, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, I generally agree. But, okay, so we talk about Nahima Lee and we talk about the offensive drive spells and, you know, all, all these issues. We've made a laundry list here. Mike tweeted out the other day, and I'm paraphrasing here, Reports of Virginia Tech's demise have been greatly exaggerated. With good play down the stretch, this team will be fine. And pointed to some, you know, basically the computer analytics that the selection committee holds so dear, showing that Virginia Tech is still held pretty highly in that regard. And, you know, me and Mike talked about on radio how a lot of those losses are to teams that are, you know, experiencing a lot of success this year. So the resume isn't completely blown up. But at the same time, you're two and four in the ACC. One game you had to come back to win. One game you almost blew. There were large stretches of both of those games when Virginia Tech looked inept offensively and was just letting things happen on the other end. So when I say, you know, you say with good play down the stretch, this team will be fine. I wonder, is it possible for this team 
to be consistent enough to put themselves in a position where the tournament is in that conversation. Because you're two and four in the ACC, you're a third of the way done. And I, I just haven't seen a full, complete game of basketball with the exception of the St. Bonaventure game when the bodies couldn't have been playing any worse than they were. Who knows? It, it's, it is possible. Is it likely? Absolutely not. No, no, not likely. Now, yeah, not if you likely. look at – so the schedule is a bit of a, a, a paradox, right? Because on the plus side, the ACC sucks. Like, the, they, like almost every game in the conference is winnable. Four teams nope. right now in bracketology would be because, yeah. Wake, Miami, Duke, North Carolina. Yeah, so most of the conference isn't very good. The downside is that most of the conference isn't very good. So, like, a lot of these wins, they're not going to mean as much as they would in years past. I mean, in years past, you know, Tech could win 10 ACC games and they were safely in the tournament. Now they win 10 ACC games, and I don't think that gets you safely in the tournament. You're You're on the bubble just like everybody else. So – Again, yes, Tech can make the NCAA tournament from tournament from here. It is there is a path for them to do it. That path is quite narrow, and the chances of Virginia Tech getting down that path are not very good. Um, it's so, narrow. It's narrow because of how Virginia Tech has been playing. That's yes, why it's narrow. Yes, yes. The, the, because the, there's there's nothing we've seen to believe that this team can play high-level basketball for an 8- to 10-game stretch. In college college basketball in general, past performance is indeed indicative of future results. Yes, Yes. and because of – I mean, yeah, we can say the ACC sucks because relative to other years, it sucks, but there are enough Quadrant 2-type games that can get you into the field in front of Virginia Tech that are winnable games for Virginia Tech if they play well. This is more about how the Hokies play not the schedule itself, even though the ACC is down. Yes, the, yes, the ACC is absolutely down 100%. Is it down enough that Virginia Tech could win a bunch of these games and not make it into the field? No, it's not that bad. It's just not top-heavy like it's been in years past. Miami's got a pretty good team. Wake Forest has a fringe top 25 team. You know, Duke's good. North Carolina, they just got blown out by Miami, but we know what they're capable of. Florida State just got a huge win over Duke uh, last week. So there are teams that are playing good enough basketball to get themselves into the conversation, into the field. And Virginia Tech is one of those teams. So this is one of those scenarios here that's going to play out here over the next several weeks where it's not about the schedule as much as it is about how Virginia Tech's playing. Early in the year, we could have looked at it and said, man, that's a really brutal non-conference schedule. How is Virginia Tech going to get through this, right? But now it's, okay, there are some winnable games here but it's not so bad on the scheduling front that Virginia Tech can't make the tournament even if they do win. That, that's a very different scenario. So it's all up to how the Hokies play. Even though the ACC is down, there's enough winnable games in front of them. Okay, so is there a number? Is there a minimum number of losses that they can have? Because like Ricky said, the downside know. of the conference not being good is there are few opportunities, I, if really any, to get that quality win that's going to stand out on your that, resume. That's hard. That's hard this year because – there are so many teams in the same boat as Virginia tech that going into the year, I think people expected to be a lot better. Right. And that's not just in the ACC that's across college bas- basketball. Michigan was widely regarded coming into the season as being a top five team. They're at 500 period, like 500 overall. They, they had a losing record up until um, late last week. I don't, I don't know where they're at now, but they had a losing record in the big 10 Michigan, like, 
a team everybody thought was going to be a top five team in college basketball. Nobody thought that about Virginia Tech, but when you look at the ACC, people thought Florida State would be better. I think to some degree, people thought North Carolina would be better. People, people certainly thought Virginia Tech would be better. So you're seeing a lot of that. Wake Forest is surprising people. Miami is surprising some people. But you have to wonder, is it, is it more about Miami or Wake Forest, or is it about the rest of the ACC being down? Like, that's, that's the question, too. I, I don't know what the answer is in regard to how many wins or losses. I just I think Virginia Tech, to, to feel pretty good about their chances, just on the surface, I think they got to finish in the top four or five in the conference. I really do. Because outside of that, I mean, I think all bets are off. All right. So, Mike, you have said in the past that an ACC road win, no matter who you play, no matter who hard. you beat, is hard and impressive. But there is a must-win ACC road game on the docket. Coming up next, Boston College, 7-9 and nine on the year. They're a two-win ACC team. Losses to Albany, St. Louis University, Rhode Island, twice. I, you got to win this one. Listen, listen. There, there Two different things here. Number one, it's good to win road games in the ACC. Number two, not all road wins are impressive, right? Last night's game against NC State was not impressive. Ricky said that earlier. I wholeheartedly agree. Good win, not an impressive one, right? There are no bad road wins in the ACC. You pick up the road when you move on, but it was not impressive. Now, Boston College is a quadrant three, quadrant four type team, which basically means they're trash. Virginia Tech needs to win this game in Chestnut Hill. Like needs to win, this especially game. with a trip to Chapel Hill coming up just two days later. Yes, so, and then they get Miami and Florida State right after that. Yeah, and that UNC game was rescheduled. This is a four four road game, four out of the next five on the road, and it's like five games in nine days. I think like, it is. like these, like a- after the BC game, the Carolina Miami Florida State uh, gauntlet w- may or may not determine whether or not this team is going to make the tournament. If Virginia no Tech, favors with no favors with the reschedules too. You're playing like five not, games in ten days. Yeah, like they've, yeah. They've probably got to win at least one of those games. The, the of the three tough ones. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Agree. I agree. If they can if they can beat one of Carolina, Miami, and Florida State. Yep. Then they at least are still afloat, and then they can try and pick up wins against Georgia Tech, who's not a bad team. Right. Um. They can try and pick up a win on the road against Pitt. They get Pitt two days later in Blacksburg. Um, they fortunately get Syracuse in Blacksburg because playing in the Jiffy Pop Dome is just annoying. And then they get Virginia, who is beatable, as we know. Carolina again. Georgia Tech again. Miami again on the road. Louisville, I have no idea what to think of Louisville. Clemson, kind of the same deal. I have no idea what to think of Clemson. So, um, I mean, they've, they've got to pick up at least one of those, those tough games after the BC game. Yeah, I agree. Don't, don't lose to BC. BC, right? BC is a must win. If, if Virginia tech, if Virginia tech loses to Boston college, all of a sudden you need to win like two of those really tough games in front of you or three. <laughs> like- if they, if they lose to Boston college, I don't want to hear anyone talking about the NCAA tournament for at least a couple weeks. Virginia Tech's worst worst loss right now is to NC State. Boston College would be worse. You yeah, can't, absolutely. And and NC and I know that's I'm not breaking ground here, but Virginia Tech really hasn't had too many quote unquote bad losses this year. People thought that Wake Forest loss to start ACC play, myself included, we all thought that was a really bad loss. 
not, it's playing not well. so much. Yeah, not so much. I'm, I'm surprised about that. I'm surprised that Forbes has been able to turn them around as quickly as he has. Right. But um, really, if you're looking at Virginia Tech's losses this year, the only one that looks real bad on paper right now is the NC State game. But the committee can look at it and explain it. If, if Virginia Tech played well down the stretch, it can explain the loss away a little bit. Oh, Tech was coming off a of COVID pause. They hadn't practiced in two weeks. I, you can explain away one bad loss in that scenario. It's hard to explain away a loss to Boston College. Like you can't explain away that one. Okay, give me give me a percentage chance that you believe Virginia Tech will make the tournament. I have the, you know, computerized bracketology percentage in front of me. I want to see what you guys think. What would be your estimation? Well, I know as of last night they were in the next four out. Yeah. On Joe Lenardi's bracket, which. I kind of thought was funny. Like I, I wouldn't even consider Virginia tech in the conversation right now for the tournament. Um, those, but metric, I know, those metrics like them. The, I know. I know. And it, Ken Palm and all it's them. so, Net. I, I don't understand it. Um, because like, if you watch the team, you just know that like, they're not playing like a tournament team. Right. Um, right. If you had to give me, if I had to give you a percentage, I'd say 25%. Mike go like 40%. I, Split the difference. The computer has it at 32%. There you go. Yeah. And that is with and that is with an estimation that Virginia Tech goes 20 and 11. I think if Virginia Tech goes 20 and 11, I think they're in. Holy, I mean 2011, that would be a winning record in ACC play, right? Yeah. A lot of it's a lot of it's gonna depend on who these wins are against. Yeah, they've got they, they've got to pick up. They get Carolina twice. I think they got to beat Carolina at least once. Yep. They get Miami twice. They probably need to get at least one against them. Um, they only get Florida State once. If you can pick up a big win against Florida State on the road, all of a sudden you're starting to look at a resume that isn't really all that bad. But at this point, Tech just needs to take it one game at a time. They're not – Right. They're not – it's not like it has been in the past where, you know, or at least the past couple seasons where Virginia tech is like, okay, well, we know they're going to be in the tournament. It's now we're like, okay, are they going to be a 12? Are they going to be an 11? Are they going to be a nine? Whatever. At this point, Virginia just get in, just, just ground up as many wins as you can and, and see where the chips fall at the end. Um, Even though those chips might fall in the, uh, you know, college basketball insider.com tournament. God. Uh, Look, I am I am a firm believer in taking any postseason invite you get. Uh, oh yeah, ex- yeah, yeah, extra basketball is good, but making the CBI or making the NIT will be a disappointment. Oh yeah, relative to preseason expectations, yeah. I think any anything outside the NCAA tournament, considering is a where we thought that this program would be this year, that would yeah. be a pretty a pretty big disappointment and we would have to see a plan to not have this disappointment next season. There are three fifth-year seniors in the starting lineup. I mean, you, which you, does not make next year feel very confident, Mike. Mm, no. <laughs> okay. Last question I have here. I, I'm interested to hear Ricky's response before he apparently has some tangent that he needs to go on before me and Mike pick up our pizzas. You know, people out there saying that Mike Young was – one of, if not the best hire that Whip Babcock has ever made. Now you have people calling for his job. I think calling for his job is obviously a little bit premature, but were people premature 
in their evaluation of the hire just two years in. I think, I think Mike Young is a good coach. I, yeah. I don't really have any question about Mike Young's ability to coach basketball. I have questions about Mike Young's ability to uh, develop talent. Uh, Joe Bamisil leaving the program was not a good look. Uh, Darius Maddox has not really grown a ton in the time that he's been in the program. Um, we're going to have to see what the team looks like next year and see how guys like Sean Padula or Lynn Kidd or John Ojiaco, Rodney uh, Rice. Yeah. How, how are they going to look under more Mike Young tutelage? But the early returns in the development department are not all that great. And that's what's holding this team back because it will, when you project the program out, you would expect a guy like Joe Bamisil to be playing a huge role in this year's team. You would expect someone like Naheem Aline to have made progress and become more of a well-rounded offensive player. You would expect someone like Darius Maddox to not be a huge defensive liability and someone who could be, be a serious spark plug off the bench not someone who's been kind of up and down this year. We haven't seen that development from these guys. So I, I think Mike Young is good when he's on the floor. I don't really have any doubts about that. I do have some, some doubts about his ability to recruit, but more importantly, his ability to develop the talent he brings in because Bamisil was rated pretty highly. Uh, Maddox was a bit lower, but still not certainly no slouch. And neither of those guys are where we thought they would be. One of them's not even with the program. Well, Joe Bamisil's doing fine for George Washington. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. makes me feel better, Andrew. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, the, re the reverse Storm Murphy, you know, go, go from ACC to A-10. Uh, I mean, how much, how much better is the ACC than the A-10 right now? Take the average team. Yeah, I mean, better, but not a ton better. Um, I am, I am pretty much in agreement with Rick. I mean, I, Mike Young, Mike, went we had this discussion before the podcast. This you is bad for the podcast. Yeah. You and I are not podcast. allowed to agree on things. I know it's bad. This for, has to be, bad this for has content. to be the Stephen A. Smith, Skip Bayless thing where for one of us just says something really stupid, which I can usually, I, I can usually take care of that. Well, <laughs> we're actually agreeing on today's podcast and that's not very good. Well, I mean, you got good takes. I don't know. Uh, the the oh, development. I have good takes. <laughs> you have good takes. <laughs> the the development. I mean, the the lack of development from Naheem Aline is is an issue. Um, Darius Maddox and and the one guy who we haven't mentioned that actually played okay last night, but really has been absent all year. David Gasson. Like we were expecting him to have this huge role, and he's not playing really much at all. John Ojiaco hasn't developed. Um. Aluma has gotten better, I think, since he's gotten to Tech. He, a little bit of a rocky start defensively to start the year, but he's played better uh, as the season's gone on. Mutz has been really up and down. He had a really good year last year, but he's been a little bit up and down. with, with the turn. He's a turnover machine right now. He's got to fix that. Um, and then Murphy, I have, a, I have a hard time beating up Mike Young on the development of Murphy, but getting him up to speed uh, – <laughs> look, he kind of did all he could in game. I do wonder like outside of, outside of, you know, uh, game action, you know, what could be done differently. But 
I mean, he was playing Murphy like 37 minutes a game in non-conference play. I mean, I don't know what else you do to get him get him fully immersed and, and get him prepared. Some of that's just on the player at the end of the day. So it, it's more of a concern with the lean. And Hunter Couture is is a guy who has really developed. I mean, Mike Young said himself he couldn't he couldn't guard he he put he said he couldn't guard David Teal. I think was his exact quote <laughs> when he got to Blacksburg. So I mean, nobody can guard bag. David Teal. Duh. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been a mixed bag from a development standpoint, and he has not, he has not recruited quite as well as, as Buzz did, but I think we got to give him a little bit of time because he's recruited, he's recruited well. He just lost some guys to transfer, which I think is almost inevitable now. I don't know how much of that you put on, you know, coach and culture. I, I think Tech's basketball program has a good culture. I, I don't the think guys that's the that issue. he has recruited have not lived up to the billing. That's ultimately right. what it comes down to. Yeah, Bamisil left. Maddox is playing about eight minutes a game, and we haven't seen really enough of Padula. He's a freshman, and Dave Ingasan is again like in the Darius Maddox mold. So yeah, a little, little up, up and down. But he won 299 games at, at Wofford. He's had pretty good success here thus far. So I, I think overall, we have to see how the rest of the season pans out. I think this is a flawed team. Uh, I do wonder if the guys that are coming in, Patrick Wessler, a seven footer. Rodney Rice, he scored 35 for DeMatha last night. That's no joke in the WCAC. I'm sure he'll he'll be able to provide some some offense, we hope. Um, and, the, and then Collins is coming in too, another another wing, um, highly touted. So there's some there's some good players coming into this program. We're just gonna have to see how the rest of this season pans out and what it looks like next year. All right, before we not check on the out hot here. seat, by the way, Andrew, not on the hot seat. Like the, the message boards want to fire everybody. I mean, he's definitely not on the hot seat. <laughs> no, I, I am in no, I, I certainly don't think that Virginia tech should fire Mike young and um, barring a uh, catastrophic season next year, you would, you would think that he would be safe for at least the next two seasons, right. Before, you know, Whit Babcock would think about making a change. Um, so this is going to be a down year for forever. I think that that's, I think people just need to kind of accept that. And we have to hope that the development is better this off season and that we're able to get more out of the guys that, that he is bringing into the program. Indeed. All right, Ricky, you said you had one more thing you wanted to rant about. This, this kind of goes back to like the store Murphy stuff, right? So like I had people in my mentions until like 11, like just, <laughs> Dear just, God just frying out about me talking about Storm Murphy. And this has happened a few times now. This happened when I was talking about Brent Pry's coaching hires. And, and this has happened before with Naheem Aline and before with Storm Murphy. And I'm just wondering, and I'm curious to gauge y'all's thoughts on it because you guys are Hokies and you're on, you're on Twitter, which is just bad for our health. Um, do you get the sense that the only people that are, not impervious to criticism from this fan base are Justin Fuente and Brad Cornelson that everyone else is just protected and you can't touch them. Uh, yes. Because it feels like every time I step out and, and say something that's critical of Mike Young or Naheem Aline or Storm Murphy or KV Aluma or, um, Brent Pry, you or, see Bud Foster too. Bud Foster was one yeah, like the last few years. Of his yeah, career. He had like, some bad like, like you just get 
you get railroaded. And like I, I like I don't know. Maybe it is me. Maybe I'm just a I don't think angry, it's you. I'm I'm an angry, miserable jerk. Andrew's not saying anything, so he must have. No, I mean, I, I think that a lot of the criticism that you'll get are people who are just kind of like leave the student athletes alone is their general demeanor. And like to some degree, I mean, we, we come on here and talk about it. And it's, and Ricky, you're always civil with your criticisms. You're not out there tweeting you know, as much as I joke about it, like Firestorm Murphy into the moon or something like that. You know, at a certain point, I feel like as long as you're being civil, you're being fine. But yeah, no, some people get, uh, get a little worked up about that. You know, I'm not going to come out here and blame Storm Murphy for being Storm Murphy, but I'm more than willing to blame Mike Young for this being the solution to the loss of Abyssavidi and it not working out. And I'm more than willing to express my disappointment in the team not meeting expectations. Want them to play well. There's something I mean, wrong yeah, with that. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, people on Twitter follow me for not just my witty humor, which there is much. But they follow me because I have covered Virginia Tech before on a full-time basis. I still write about the program. I know, I know a lot about the program. And people follow me for that reason. It's the same reason they follow Mike, although they follow Mike for a various number of reasons because he covers seven, eight different podcasts. And uh, before now, he was writing on approximately 32 platforms. Um, not, not incorrect. <laughs> narrowed it down to one apparently i made the one andrew is obviously well connected to the virginia tech program being with the espn blacksburg so that's the reason that everyone follows us and sometimes that analysis and that feedback is going to be negative and there's just no way around that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tweet through it and tweet out positives you know, when Virginia Tech is two and four in the ACC and they're not playing very good basketball. Yeah, and, and all the love in the world for Mike Young, but it's not year one. It's not year one. This team had expectations and they haven't been met. I mean, listen, we're going to be critical when there's time to be critical, and we're going to give him praise when there's time to give him praise. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do on this podcast. What we've been doing for three years. Right. And, and, and we're going to be we're going to be as intellectually honest and fair as try possible. to be. We'll try to be. I, no like when I told everyone on the radio it. not to bet on the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl because it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, that, that is that is one of the safest assumptions of all time. Yes. Um, Death but, taxes, the Cowboys choking after the year 2000. True that. <laughs> true that. And the the Washington franchise not having a name at least for another month. February second, two two twenty two. We'll get some stupid name. We'll figure out at least at least one of us in this group is excited about that. <laughs> I'm not necessarily excited. I'm getting kind of used <laughs> to calling them the football team. I think it's funny. <laughs> Go football team. I, I, Go football I've, I've team. I've kind of football team Super Bowl. <laughs> I've gotten used to calling them the team formerly known as the Redskins. I feel like I'm in I, elementary school, you know, it's the red team versus the blue team. <laughs> like, that's what it feels like. I mean, uh, uh, eventually this is going to get to the point where we're all just going to be like European soccer, where we all just go by our location. Yes. So it'll be, it'll be Washington versus Arizona, or it'll be like, instead of the Red Sox versus the Yankees, it'll be Boston versus New York. <laughs> yeah. We'll just, 
Which we'll doesn't have the same ring to it as Red Sox Yankees. It does not. Man. It does not. All right, we good? Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, again, congrats to Mike on his gig with SI. That's really cool. Thanks, guys. Um, make sure you listen to Andrew's radio show on ESPN Blacksburg. Uh, Mike is still going to be on the podcast. Do not fear. Uh, and sorry for man. those of you who are disappointed in that. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. Sorry about your luck there, kids. Still um, here. Yeah. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Mike, what is your updated Twitter handle for Mike the McDaniel SI? This is like my the Twitter millionth handle. time that Mike has changed his Twitter handle. Yeah, Joey's getting, um, for those of you who know Joey I'm from my other podcast, he's getting, he just gets confused whenever. Well, we it's because, as you know, well, we, we want to include you when we share the content. We never know what handle to tag you at because you keep changing it. How's Joey feel about the uh, Georgia Tech men's basketball program? Better than football. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Better than football. I think, he's, I think he's ready to light the football program on fire. Remember, um, he, he, did, he, he mentioned, and I'll, I'll post the article, but he mentioned he's, he used to manage the From the Rumble Seed blog, the Georgia Tech SB Nation site. He used to manage that. And now he just... You know, he writes a column there on a weekly basis. Now he's not the manager anymore. He's got a kid and, you know, he's a real job and stuff. And he, he said that we've reached the point in the Jeff Collins era where it's time for a new slogan because Jeff Collins is a slogan, <laughs> slogan guy. So th- this one is uh, win, B-A-T-T, win, but actually this time. That's going to be their, their, uh, their acronym going into the 2022 season. So I was going to say if anyone's actually getting launched to the moon, it's probably Jeff Collins. Yeah. Yeah, his seat is on fire. That's why, you know, when you look at Virginia Tech's roster going into next year, it doesn't inspire confidence at all. I mean, we're having debates about, you know, who's going to be the number two receiver on the team, the guy that had one reception last year, the guy who had two receptions last year. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, you look at Duke, who lost whatever they had resembling talent, which wasn't much. I mean, Durant was good. Jake Bobo was good. UVA lost everyone not named Brennan Armstrong. I mean, Georgia Tech's a mess. Like, there's opportunities for wins on the schedule. So, I guess that's a reason for cautious optimism. Maybe the program won't bottom out in year one, but... One one last point I want to make. There is zero excuse for Georgia Tech to not be good at football. Uh, literally zero. There, well, that, that was kind of Colin's calling card when he got it's, there. It's in Atlanta. It's Like, what? Yeah. what the hell are you doing? Yep. Why can't you get a roster that doesn't stink? I yep. don't know. No, you're just, right. <laughs> it doesn't make much sense to me. Like you're right. getting getting kids to go to Blacksburg or getting kids to go to um Winston Salem is not easy. Right. Getting kids to come to Atlanta sounds pretty damn easy. <laughs> Until right. they have to contend with Georgia down the street. But even so, there's enough talent in Atlanta. I, I'm not trying to turn this into a Georgia Tech podcast. There's plenty of talent for Georgia Tech down there. So. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Yellow Jacket Hangover podcast. Let's kind of wrap it up for us here. Uh, me and Mike got to eat pizza. Ricky's got to go find some other things to be angry at that we can catch up with next Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Andrew Alex, Mike McDaniel, Ricky the Blue. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, like I said, almost three years of doing this podcast. Uh, we appreciate our loyal listeners. Oh, if that- you're in the Richmond, Hampton Roads area, don't be stupid this weekend if it, uh, if it does indeed snow a ton.
So stay off 95. Winter is coming. Oh, oh yeah, also, definitely stay 95. Also, happy two-year anniversary to Justin Fuente almost going to Baylor. Oh, true that. True that. The 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 dalliance with Baylor. So many words were like I got so sick and tired of seeing the word dalliance. I wanted to <laughs> gouge happy, my damn eyes out. Happy oh, anniversary. <laughs> Mike, you can go to hell for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that that, that is the only that is the only context I've ever heard the word dalliance used. It was used every day. Yeah. Mike, you're Mike, you're going to hell for that. It's a right. it's a sickos committee comment <laughs> I just made. So all right. We're done. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Probably I said we'll maybe record after the North Carolina game. We'll have a little bit to talk about. But enjoy your weekend. Uh have fun. You know, winter is here, but, uh, you know, still plenty of content to talk about. So Hokie Angler Podcast, we'll talk to you soon. Until then, go Hokies.